0: You're listening to Dead Air Podcast, part of splatterpictures.net. What's up, everybody? Wes, Dead Air Knife here with Always.
1: Typical Lydia.
0: Today's show, we're going to be doing the 2006 remake, not yet a classic, The Hills Have Eyes. Oh, my neck hurts.
1: Yeah, that is a pretty good lead-in. No, that's about the only thing you could say about this film, Uh, aside from that it is a remake, quite honestly, and that is where the stories diverge with Uh someone whose neck that hurts. This is the Alexandra Aja remake with Gregory Lavasseur, they are uh, mm-hmm. most famous for High Tension, which I love.
0: Yes. Oh, man.
1: But I still think of those two as as the best and top shelf Aja films, of course. Uh, mm-hmm. This, mm-hmm. though, like we both had the same sort of reaction after watching this again, even though we'd watched it, if not numerous times long ago, um, it doesn't quite have the same impact as it had.
0: No, it it. Didn't. Um, uh, You know what's funny is I've been hyping this up as one of the greatest remakes, and let me put that on the table. I still think it's a very good remake. Agreed. It might have gotten bumped down a couple of notches. Uh, it, It did not disappoint in most of the ways that I think is an improvement on the original film. And also important to note that just like the evil dead remake this has the blessings of its original creators Wes Craven was of course producer on this film and I don't know if he was like capital p producer or lowercase p producer but at the very least he had his hands on it a little bit and I was kind of I was wondering when I was watching it I was like do you think it was like Wes Craven picking these because of the fact that he was like, he saw high tension and he was like, you know, if someone could bring this level of um, intensity, if someone could bring this level of violence to the Hills Have Eyes, perhaps it would reach closer to what I had originally envisioned way back in the years if I had a little bit more money. Or do you think it was he was he was lowercase p producer and he was just like, what? Who's this? Oh, high tension. Because he also kind of strikes me as that guy sometimes, Wes Craven does.
1: Yeah, and he could look at this, and, and if it was put on the table, like, this is basically a 100% shot-for-shot remake of your film, except for we're going to take a little detour at the end. Um, but then he could have just stepped back and, yeah, taken that lowercase p and and come back mm-hmm. to for the premiere, I suppose. Or... Is, is his involvement why it is so close to the root material? Because it is, in a lot of cases, a shot-for-shot remake.
0: Yeah, and and, and just to bring it back to the Evil Dead of it all, I don't know, I, I didn't have any intention of talking about this until we started recording, but that's the magic of podcasts. Like, when, when I, I saw the Evil Dead remake, and what impressed me so much about it was not just the violence and all that kind of stuff, but I got the sense that I was really watching a film... That I since Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell were Capital P producers on that film, yep. um, it was I was like this Evil Dead remake very much looks like if we had the time and the money and the actors and the experience, this is what Evil Dead was supposed to be, and I and and so I can't help but wonder if if that is the case here because you do get a sense that it's a shot for shot remake except. There's it diverges towards the end, and the divergent, I think you'll agree, looks like it costs a lot of money.
1: Yes,
0: like that is the type of divergent where you just like you're Wes Craven, it's the 1970s, you've done Last House on the Left, did pretty well. It was more shocking than successful, it made its money, but still. And now you're just like, okay, I got this idea, it's a bunch of mutants, we're gonna put some fucking furs from Goodwill on them and we're just going to run around in the desert. That's it. We're just going to run around in the desert and and that's going to be our fucking movie and it's not going to, the most expensive thing is going to be the trailer and we're going to blow it up. That's the most expensive thing in that fucking movie. Yeah. Um, but he's like, and he, I had this idea about going to this whole like testing facility and all this kind of stuff because if you look at, even going to the car pit, like the crater car pit area, that's something that Doug talks about. Well, he doesn't talk about a, a car pit, but he talks about how the road just ends. We never see what happens to Doug in the original film. He just, like, leaves.
1: And when he comes back, he's like, there's all kinds of shit down there. We got to go back. I look at all those neat stuff I found.
0: Yeah, it's like a play. It's like you're talking about things that you can't show for budgetary or logistic reasons. So that's how come I keep thinking... Like, I, I probably should have done a little bit more research, but I was just excited to, to, to get into this because I think what this film does, and I think what fans of this film probably react to, is the, and why they might think that the remake is better, is because they really, or just as good, is they really respond to that last divergent. Yeah. Because it's, it's fascinating. And I was watching, it, I was like, man, if you're a fan of like the Fallout game franchise, This whole sequence is just straight out of Fallout up to and including all of the little tags of like stuff from like the 1950s. There's a bunch of like clothing and paraphernalia and television shows and shorts and like the kitchen of tomorrow. Like there's all this, you got a a dog, like it's so Fallout 4, it's crazy.
1: I've never played Fallout 4 but I am very aware so yes that's exactly what it reminded me of as well in this in a more modern context and even back when it was released in 2006 it's that final ending of the Cold War sort of thing where we can Mm -hmm. we've been breathing this collective sigh of relief for how many years believing that the Cold War is over so all of these Uh, the atomic age is not as much of a threat anymore and these facilities are tourist destinations now and I found it interesting in looking at the actual test sites in Nevada. Mm-hmm. Some of the roads are named after some planets. So there is like a Mercury test site and stuff like that. So I, I thought that was really neat. And I'm wondering if that's where Wes Craven had originally got the idea. But I only discovered that after watching and after we'd recorded our last episode on the original. So I thought that was pretty cool.
0: That is awesome fucking fascinating. I had no idea that that is the case. And perhaps the reason why they named them that, the, the each other that, yeah, because it was like the only things they saw. And they're like, well, I'm going to name you Mars and I'm going to name you uh, Pluto and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, you want to know what's
1: interesting? Hmm. Not a lot of planet names in this one. No, people are called like Goggle and stuff like that. Like I, there is still a Papa du- Jupiter and Pluto. Like we'll get into that, but yeah, and and Ruby never was a planet name, but yeah, no. Cyst, Big um, Mama Lizard, Lizard, yeah, who's who the hell that, like Lizard?
0: Lizard seemed like he was the Mars character in, yeah. like they swapped him out, and I was like, who's that for? Like why did you change it to Lizard?
1: Why not keep the planet names? It makes it makes sense, yeah. really.
0: And this is kind of like my harshest criticism of the movie, and we'll get into that. But I actually wanted to ask you a question, um, and to just to to speak to what you were saying earlier about the time in which. The, the, the nuclear fears of the 1950s, you know, especially in the United States when all of this atomic testing was happening and, and we were into the Cold War and we were very curious. We had conquered the atom. We had uh, not we, they, the Americans, had uh, had done all of this amazing stuff. And so stories about atomic mutation and. Uh, stuff going on after World War II was very relevant. And this would have been seen in the 1970s as very subversive because you are talking about things that America had tried to sort of like sweep under the rug in the 1970s. They had a whole new war to worry about then. But what do you think about a film like this coming out in 2006 and not changing anything about that aspect they didn't try to modernize it they didn't try to imply that it was testing for a more modern war in fact because of the the fact that they they steeped everything into the 1950s they're still talking about the now the 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 old things are long abandoned what do you what do you think about the relevance of that is it the right call or should they have tried to modernize that
1: I think they're still riding on the shock and awe of it all because it's the same reason we still use mushroom clouds as b-roll in films it's the the shock and awe of it all even if you don't know what you're looking at those things are stupendous and the fact that Americans bombed their own country they're like on testing for testing purposes or Bikini Atoll or having bombed in Hiroshima like all of the fantastic and terrible things that they were capable of never lose appeal so the only thing that modernizing it or explaining away some of the mutations or talking about some of the people who have lived near these ground zero sites and they've been experiencing radiation for generations now um like to sort of minimize that by explaining it away would minimize that capacity to shock and awe where you kind of want to have that same level of this is a terrible stupendous crazy thing what have we done kind of feel we don't want to water down that what have we done sort of feel so i think that they just kept it at that baseline of this is an insanely terrible scary fucking dramatically un-inhumane fucking thing that we've done so they never want to really diminish that. I think it still has the exact same impact too. No giant impact crater, pun intended.
0: <laughs> I, I I tend to ag- agree with you on your points. My I, guess, I suppose what I'm wondering with is because so often in horror and so often in remakes, you know, fuck even just saying horror. In, in any time that you're going to update things for for the new eras, right? Uh, if you take it to comic books, Iron Man was started out as a Vietnam arms dealer. Well, obviously that's not going to play in a movie franchise in like the 2000s, right? They're like, Vietnam arms dealer? What the fuck are you talking about? So they got to modernize it. They got to change it up. Now he's like working with like, or against some kind of weird Al Qaeda thing that seems really racist to me. But anyway, the, the point is, is like, <laughs> That is Hollywood's thing. And particularly in this era, um, this film coming in 2006 was coming in on the heels of a bunch of films that were remade in the early 2000s. Uh, Starting with some biggies like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and uh, things of that nature. And almost everything from the 1970s was getting remade because there was this new drive to see darker and more intense extreme horror movies. And they had felt that enough people had kind of forgotten that horror was already doing this decades earlier because there was this plastic sheen of the 1980s and into the 90s about like horror movies are silly, goofy, little fun, which they can be. But they had forgotten when auteur directors like Wes Craven were making stuff that was really making people squeamish. And so, like, let's do it again. But, you know, we need to modernize things. So we need to, like, even if something's like a dog, dumb, simple story, right? Like Last House on the Left. There's another Wes Craven film that was remade in and around this era. I think a couple of years later or something like that. There's this showpiece death in it involving a microwave. Can't do that in the original 1970s one. There's always little ways in which they try to update things for the time, but this they decided to keep the baseline premise and most everything else about it steeped in that original lore and even the divergent piece that goes off into the testing facility it's it's now it's even more haunted because now it's even older. It's been abandoned for longer, and you can really see that um, these mutants have been in this area for decades. But it also calls into question: Jupiter couldn't possibly have been the first, because he's the character that he's presented. What little character there is of him in the remake is not that old. Like, he might be 50, 40, like, you know what I mean? Like, you're not talking about someone who was mutated before all that testing, you know?
1: No, and the problem, like, with radiation and fallout is that you, you would age older. And Billy Drago's a pretty, like, timeless-looking dude, as it is. And it's a real shame, because I'm a fan, and I want I would have wanted to see more of him, for sure. But what little we get of it, it's, it is apparent. You're right, he's not that old. He wouldn't have been the first generation, mm-hmm. By a fucking long Mm -hmm. shot. And there's older people Mm -hmm. than him in the compound that we find out with the house that's hooked up to the generator in the old 1950s -hmm. test site, or 1950s style Mm -hmm. test site. Um, We've never done anything quite as insane. So I can see why there's no way to really modernize (sighs) that. There isn't anything that we can do that really equates with that that would have the same sort of impact. But they do interject a few things like a few popular bands. The kids talk, talk about what music they like (laughs) here and there, or make a few more timely jokes, update it in those subtle ways or use cell phones, have cell phones. And Doug is a cell phone salesman. So that, those little tiny things, it's the same sort of way that Stephen King had updated the stand in his uncut edition in changing some of the car names Mm -hmm. and things that people would see around them or, having an electric lawnmower like I don't I don't think he uses that in particular but before the advent or popularity of some of these more readily available Mm -hmm. items or a snowblower switching out a snowblower for something if you're upgrading a story just to make it a little more with the time they did do a few of those very small things that they're almost yeah you're
0: right about that i suppose i was being too rigid like in the way that i was interpreting it but i was just very, i i was just like well why don't they make it more of an like it's kind of an environmental thing but like why don't they make it like i don't know like waste runoff or like nuclear waste or or something like that or like are we still doing that? you know what i mean like some sort of big corporations dumping toxins and causing these mutations and um something like that
1: well there's a bigger story there that they could have rode on with the downwinders that is it's still a story today and still something that isn't very much reported on is the the vast range of the US that suffered mm-hmm. fallout from those bombings it wasn't just like they took place in the desert and right around that crater yeah. is where you had yeah. radiation it blew the winds blew it yeah. across yeah. the south so like there's all sorts of people that have had fallout re- related radiation yeah. related problems that they could have definitely brought that in but i guess keeping the story small and contained and somewhat claustrophobic Mm -hmm. even though you're in the wide open desert having that claustrophobic feel is what gives it that intensity
0: yeah that's true i don't mean to to like hammer down so much on this it's just very curious because i view hollywood not dimly or or anything like that, but it's just facts are facts. They like to young it up. They like to modernize things and and their logic towards remakes and reimagining is, oh, modern audiences ain't going to watch that old shit. They ain't going to watch that old fucking shit. We need new shit. But like, I guess like with this, the, like, the premise was solid enough that they're just like, eh, let's just shoot it again. Shoot it with more money. Shoot it better. I mean... Like, listen, like you watch the original Hills Have Eyes and it really just looks like a live action Flintstones movie in some parts. Like it doesn't really <laughs> look that intimidating where you're just like, they're mutants. And I'm like, I understand that uh, a Berryman has a unique look about him, but he doesn't, re- he doesn't really strike me as like, it's a mutant.
1: No, not at all. Especially not when he's younger. I mean, he's grown into his features in a, in a huge way, but he never looked like terrifying in any way, shape or form. So...
0: He had a striking look about him, but he didn't, he didn't, like, these guys, <laughs> like, I was, I was telling you, I think, off mic, these guys look like they're fucking in pain. They, like, they look like they've gone into, like, a long-term care facility or, like, some wing of a doctor's ward or, like, hospital, and, like, they have, like, apparatuses, like, keeping their fucking heads together, and, like, they look like it's pain just to breathe. Some of them have, like, they can't see like, like they're like, what like I think the, the one who's supposed to be the modern Pluto, he, he has no depth perception. He's like, one of his eyes is completely closed shut. He like, like it kind of looks like Doug is beating up <laughs> some very sick, helpless people.
1: Exactly. And that's the one, I think the, the great part about the ending of this film, aside from where it goes, which is visually interesting. It's historically interesting it's intellectually interesting it has like so many nuances and and sociopolitically interesting especially like how they've been living there if you want to go anthropological on mm-hmm. its ass but it's like it's it's emotionally interesting because you feel bad for these people you never felt bad for the people in the original hills of no. lies that was their choice where this is also their choice much like the sawyer family in texas chainsaw massacre mm-hmm. you do feel bad for them and you feel bad for the Bates Motel as well, being railroaded off to the distance because the new highway came in. A new highway came in here too, you know, and everyone avoids the gas station. But now we have this extra level of, not only was this their choice to a certain degree or their forefather's choice, they are very sick people and they could seek medical attention or require medical attention or, or something. But yeah, now we have Doug Buston in there chopping them up with a pickaxe. <laughs> like like
0: there's definitely moments in which like Doug is cuz they what they do is so dear listeners um Liz and I aren't really going to go too much into the original premise of the film. If you want to know what this movie how this movie really starts, listen to our previous episode because it is shot for shot in most cases down to the original um obviously there are some differences like ruby is presented as a much younger like a little girl in this as opposed to um as opposed to the original movie where ruby is basically played by like a 20 year old woman um then
1: and ruby could pass in modern society in the original where here without some reconstructive surgery Mm -hmm. i i think that she is also Uh, just stunted intellectually and and she would definitely need some sort of integration if she could be integrated into society at all and and also
0: the entire conversation between ruby and the what uh, amounts to her grandfather although you'd never know that in this one uh would uh is gone so that's she kind of occupies a space of more of like a phantom background character that's looking at people and you don't know if she's friend or foe or, or whatever um, that's changed and obviously the assault scene is a lot more graphic in this like in the original film uh, one of the there's a huge debate and my attitude is like you don't see anything and so that's left up to people's minds if this woman was raped or not and I always just like I never saw it. They're just like, oh, there's a rape in this movie, and I was like, is there? Like, it doesn't seem like.
1: No, she just. And I, I'm in the same boat as you. Like, it, she seems just terrorized. Her clothes are on, and it, it's enough at that point for some people that being menaced is like she was mind raped. If anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to diminish anyone else's lived experience no, not at all. where they would have reacted much like her after a rape yeah. at all, because like, everyone does react differently. Yeah. And someone could have been in a very similar situation where rape took place. But in the, in that particular film, I think it was the allusion to the mm-hmm. idea was more than enough mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. that time.
0: There's definitely the threat of sexual assault in the original film, but I'm very stringent on if there's no scene... Then I don't, then if you want me to think something happened in the movie, I need to see the scene basically like, or there needs to be enough time. It doesn't really seem to be enough time for anything to really be going on. But I, listen, I don't want to listen. Listen, this is shaky territory for me. Uh, L- yes, list, it's, like, true. Li- it's true but this
1: film leaves no question
0: yes no this film we'll stick to that this film is incredibly um blatant about its assault and if i were to like if i were to say to somebody who is very sensitive could be triggered by something like that this film is probably not for you but um the and because yep. and, and there's also like that weird breast milk thing going on that like is glossed over um and, but even the order in which people die in that trailer sequence is exactly the same as the original film. It's certainly more...
1: It truly is. And the length of it all, the sort of blitz attack that they have on the trailer, the, the way that they treat the baby in in that particular scene is very similar. So all of it is beat for beat the same, although it the brutality is amped mm-hmm. up to the... In degree and i think that them being uh, a brutal into shock and awe and d- destroying the minds and bodies and belongings of these people the way that they are it's not a wonder that it goes to the places it does as far as sexual assault and the the breast milk scene which is quite fascinating and it is just them working with what <clears throat> working with what they have available to terrorize these people. Mm-hmm. If she hadn't been lactating, they may have done something equally brutal to her breast area. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Yeah. Very terrible scene. So yeah, it is not for sensitive viewers. This one has a much higher rating than the original movie for a reason. Yes. And I think that the scene entirely is that reason.
0: Yeah, I think that if you're interested in the story of The Hills Have Eyes, you're safe with the original. The original should be okay. You're not... You're not gonna be in any shaky water there, but yeah, the the remake is a lot more explicit and a lot more brutal, and I think that's by design. This is what modern audiences were, were clamoring for, particularly in those days. This was the shock and awe era of horror. They wanted to get back to it, and the remakes wanted to be more brutal, more intense, and because the big players on the scene were films like Saw, which are not that brutal, but like like Human Centipede was kicking around or about to be gestated in around this era. Serbian film, um, like you said, like you were talking about high tension, like freaking martyrs, like uh, inside. Mm-hmm. Some of the most intense and g- grim horror movies were just being made had just being made or were on the cusp of just being made you know what i'm saying like
1: and the best ones the best ones in all of that had some very compelling stories yes. aside from their brutal visuals um this one i would love to see a, an edit where you take the whole beginning of the first one but splice in the car Uh, Graveyard Mm -hmm. because I love the car graveyard. I love a good car graveyard. I'll always love a good car graveyard I thought of you when I saw it. And then add on the ending of the remake Mm -hmm. because Ruby in particular and this goes for a lot of the characters especially the mutant characters She in the remake is basically reduced to a girl that's playing with dolls Mm -hmm. She steals the baby from the people who had stolen in the first place so that she can have a little playmate and return it to its owner because she's a good little girl that's like really the extent of her motivations there it seems where in the first one Ruby wants a life, Ruby wants out, Ruby wants a family of her own, Uh, Ruby wants to stop being this uh, brutal cannibal person that her life has been up until then so she has all of these really complex motivations for re-stealing the baby off of her family to return it to its own family and helping Doug where in this one she is just going on an impulse of a little girl playing with dolls in a way Mm -hmm. at its deepest sense and that is such a travesty really because it is a more compelling story in the original But then we get to the end of this one, which is 10 times more compelling. And I love it. I agree.
0: I think a lot of my problems with the original are fixed in this. But then they did that at the detriment of the things in the original that were very good. Like, for example, um, I complained in the previous episode, and you guys can go back and listen to it. um, I didn't like how it didn't really demonstrate that the mutants had... Command over their environment. It didn't really, you didn't really get a sense that they knew any better than Bob and his family about the desert that they were in. Meanwhile, this film, they have an intricate system of mines that are all abandoned. They know their way in and out that, and that's how they use to essentially fast travel all over the place under the cover of the mines. And so they have home field advantage. That makes sense. It's there. Secondly, um, it shows a more drastic mutation. It shows why they're so... Um, like, they, they they truly become monstrous as opposed to the previous film where it's like, you know, they didn't really have the money to make people monstrous. So they just kind of made them like, I'm a wild bushman. Ooga booga 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 booga. Like, that, that's literally what they were doing in the original movie. Um, or figuratively. So those problems are fixed, but what is cut from this that um and I totally agree, the ending of the remake is so much more interesting, so much more compelling. It looks it's cool, it's just cooler. It's just cooler. And but at the cost of all of the characterization of the mutated family. All of the characterization. Like I'm sorry, like they they completely leave and if it was filmed, I wish we could see. I have an unrated uh, DVD cut of this movie, and I didn't see any extra scenes that that were worth writing home about. Maybe it was a little bit more violent, but I didn't see anything that I would call characterization. Like, my favorite scene in the original film is when Papa Joop is essentially tough-talking a corpse, and while he's eating uh, Big Bob... And Big Bob's like charred, fucking body is just like sitting there. He's like, "You come down here and you stick my nose in your life," and and it it really shows that resentment. And of course, it also has the 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 old gas station attendant with his monologue about the creation of Papa Jupiter and and his origin story. Yeah. And then you compile that with like the interconnectivity of like you understood the family structure. Of everything Mm -hmm. you understood who was who you understood who mama was you understood who Pluto was you understood that Pluto was like the logical one who was like you know like was able to like be very articulate and was on the same intellectual level as Jupiter and stuff like that Mars was the wild man he was like super aggressive but also obedient will listen to Jupiter everyone listens to Jupiter but he's still like you know really angry um and, and all the other characters.
1: Mercury was a runt. Yeah,
0: Mercury was the runt and stuff like that. Exactly. Um, you had all of this. Whereas this, you're just like, like, for example, there's there's someone credited as like mama or big mama or something like that. Do you know who that was supposed Like, I know it was the woman who was like brushing her hair and like the wig that she was wearing. But like, if I didn't, know that from the original film i wouldn't know that i wouldn't know who jupiter was no
1: she's just a rando and like the guy with the cage or rose head exactly who is he and what does he do the guy was he the, he was the same guy dragging the body through the streets and like why do they have a freezer full of bodies that is yeah. who are these people keeping stuff very cold i'm out, <laughs> mind. like yeah who are these people and yeah. how do they work we together? don't know really
0: anything and especially like the the worst the biggest tragedy is the loss of the the, the loss, and I know Jupiter's in this, but the loss of the Jupiter character. I don't know who the fuck this is supposed to be. He's just like a guy in a trench coat. And and so the idea that Bobby and Brenda are essentially fighting the leader of this clan. the If you are an audience member and you have not seen the original, you have no fucking idea who this is. It's just yet another mutant. And it's not... Compelling or interesting or impressive that they took him down because if you look at, and, and I understand that, like, you know, Jupiter's killed in the original film kind of haphazardly as well. And like the big final climactic fight is with Mars, but even with Mars, who's not Mars in this, he's Lizard for whatever godforsaken reason, um, you like, you, you never see him interact with anybody else except for who I'm assuming is Pluto, is like the one guy with one eye, the new Pluto. And so, like, that's it. And and you have no context. And it's just, in my opinion, it's done better in films like Wrong Turn uh, if you want to just have like a crazy inbred mutant family. Because the compelling aspect of the story of The Hills Have Eyes, in my opinion, was this, this notion of the mutant family, and maybe they're just like, Well, we didn't have time for that, or we didn't think it was that important. I was like, Bullshit, it's absolutely important. You had lots of fucking, and I'm not saying like, Well, now you need another 20 minutes on this movie. No, you just need a couple of lines of dialogue. You could do it over radio. You don't have to, like, you know what I'm saying? But instead, like, the way that this movie presents it, it's the dude in the wheelchair is like their super intelligent psychic leader or something like that. Like, I don't, cause he's the one that's like, Kill the baby. Like he's calling the shots.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's calling the shots, and he's the one where we get our little expo dump and the motivations of this clan, this loose cabal of mutants that live out in the desert. Not a family. It, it doesn't feel like a family. It's got a papa and a mama that never interact whatsoever. Yeah. So we can't say that they're actually a family at all. So I, I'm totally on the same page as you with. They have stripped it of so much characterization that it's not funny. The family is far more characterized. Yes. Sure. And I believe a lot of the motivations of Bobby. Bobby not telling anyone that he found his dog dead. Yes. That scene is done correctly here. Even though he waffles and he waits and he's nervous about it, it fits with his persona and it fits with like what he's up against as far as not wanting to tell them and he tells them it seems quicker even though it seems to happen at the same sort of time in this film there's some lines that are thrown out about what brenda wants from her vacation that are just given a slight tilt Mm -hmm. that fit with her so much better Mm -hmm. now there's lines from the mom that are tilted they're the same lines delivered in a very similar manner But they fit better. Even when they find Bob, Big Bob, burning, Mm -hmm. that scene is done pretty much the same with the same sort of lines screamed out by his wife. But they fit so much better. They just really do. It feels like a more cohesive family here of... People who actually get along but have their differences, unlike mm-hmm. the first one, where it's like, how do these people even know one another?
0: I also liked the talking about like the political themes of this film. Um, it talked more openly about the political divide in the United States. That was certainly uh, it's certainly not what it is today, but it was the in its infancy in two thousand and six about like the conservative versus more liberal, or I suppose Democrat a Republican uh, opinion because Big Bob is definitely like tried and true Republican. And like, he's like, it's like, you know, but he's essentially just like, you want to play with fucking guns. You that sissy boy pacifist. Like he's essentially just like calling, like, calling Doug all of these things. And so it makes Doug's transformation into like, oh, fuck you. I'm to save my kid. I'm going to become violent. Like it makes that a little bit more satisfying to me. And it also puts it Big Bob's domineering and sort of conservative personality on front street and and shows a little bit more family discord on that level at least between doug and big bob himself as like the sort of like the interloper pacifist into a family of like rough and gun-toting republicans you know what i'm saying like we're, but like but again very affluent people because even though affluent but they're also like still trying to like have a reason to like drive cross country in a trailer. <laughs> but, uh, and also they show Bobby being a little bit more of a MacGyver. They're like, they're like, how does it make sense that he knows all these fucking traps? Well, you know what? We're going to have him fix an AC unit earlier in the film to let you know that he's got like a bit of a technical head to him.
1: Yeah. Yeah. More so than the guy that sells electronics, which I think is great to juxtapose those two. And in the first version of this film, doug comes out as sort of a dark horse like this weedy little dude that just likes to bang his wife and make more babies i guess and that that goes away in the crisis moment for a stroll to check out some leftover garbage from miners like this guy is Mm -hmm. who saves the day and saves the baby okay whatever didn't see that coming but in this one we get a real transformation of doug's character from the beginning to end, and it, it's they sell it a lot better in this with the same characters, same sort of lines, same sort of everything, just so much more finely tuned mm. at the expense of the other family that's out there because it's not pitted one family against another like it is in the first one. It's
0: it kind of makes me feel bad for the mutants because it's kind of like so you have like these yahoos essentially coming into their territory and yeah the the mutants struck first but scavenger culture they they need to do this type of stuff to survive but it's almost as if like you really got the the ass handed to you by Merica like it's that like it's like when a very a very obviously superior technological and intellectual force just like waves over some very sick and crippled people like who, who don't have your resources or understanding and stuff like that. Like even, even their de facto leader uh, like the brain guy is like literally the most vulnerable. Like fuck, I feel like if you were to knock him over, like the dog didn't have to eat him. You could have knocked him over in his wheelchair and he would have died. Like you know what I'm saying.
1: Well, except Mama's in the other room, I believe, so she might have come yeah. to help him if she can hear. Like she doesn't seem to be able to hear. Yeah, it 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 is just it is just sad, and not enough context is given in that info dump from Big Brain.
0: Really, for fucking God's sakes, Doug plants the American flag in the throat of Pluto. Like it couldn't be any more like, bam! Take that, Afghanistan. I mean, Pluto.
1: Yeah, no, it's true. Yes, absolutely. It, it, it is very true, and it's not even too strong-armed in there. It flows with the plot. Luckily, if it didn't, then it would have really been just too much of a of a parody.
0: I want to um, uh, touch on something because uh, let's let's get into the the place where this plot really diverges. I wanted to ask you about these bombing testing facilities because there's something, I know that you're, I just view you as, you're smarter than I am, so I want to like ask you about this because you seem to, I need your Cliff Clavin facts that I'm sure you have. Why, with these bombing facilities, why do they need it to be such a near accurate replica of an American suburbia? Like, I understand having the houses. Yeah. I understand that, but why do the houses need to be fully furnished? Why do mannequins need to be like fully juxtapos- juxtaposed? Why do they need to be fully in costume? Why does the environment need to seem so eerily authentic? Is that in service to what with testing bombs?
1: And you would think that they would be testing like a replica Pentagon and Twin Towers, right? That might have helped them out a little bit when it comes to terrorist attacks but i don't 100 percent know other than it's the same reason a crash test dummy isn't just like a sack of water right Mm -hmm. so it has like bone structure and stuff you have to have the bone structure and stuff like that so the dummies of course are that's uh, evident and to make it a little more personable maybe all of the dummies had names the same way that uh computer technicians may name their servers or if you have computer consoles in a in a large service hub, you may name the computers just so you can keep them straight. And they take on like personalities from time to time. That could be part of it too. They could also have been sponsored by Westinghouse that not only <laughs> supplies the war machine with a lot of their things and a lot of avionics, they could also have been supplying them with toasters and other accoutrements like Mm -hmm. that that would furnish these houses because they want to see what the effects are they're also testing asbestos at the time and other things for the home of the future which was a huge thing so not only was it a great selling point to be like you know tang had that same selling point of this is what astronauts drink kids so let's all drink tang (laughs) and it did wonders so if you could say that my ironing board survived nuclear blasts. It will definitely survive if you leave your iron on top of the ironing board by accident. Mm-hmm. That's a great selling point. So I, without a doubt, they were testing other products in there and, and synthetics and other things. So the drapes had a reason other than just gussying up the place in a Marge Simpson manner. They actually had some sort of purpose as far as testing different... Synthetics.
0: Very interesting. Very interesting. Um, that's why so many things from that era were built to last, and why I, I watch a lot of refurbishers you know, on TikTok that are like, How, "Here's a, a washing machine from 1953. Here's a television from 1955, and it all still works." I'm like, "Fuck yeah, man, radical!" But um, that's very interesting that you put it through that context. This sequence through the the testing facility with Doug and Beast is so fucking good it is so cool it looks so awesome i mean like i said if you guys listening are fans of fallout you could pretend this is a, a fucking fallout movie this whole sequence if they wanted to ever show like a proof of concept for a fallout movie yeah yeah they could just show this whole sequence because you you are essentially like going through a wasteland of a rotted dilapidated haunting visage of the perfect ideal america when the father knows best i like ike that whole fucking era of uh of the united states and then you have like these mutated humans inside of it and like it's all just dirty and fucked up and gross that freezer scene that doug wakes up in is so good
1: yeah, what's great is I just finished watching Kill Bill one and two <laughs> before watching this, Ooh. so we had sort of a a different take on the one inch punch kind of situation, buried alive, <laughs> but no, buried in a freezer full of other body parts and having to blast mm-hmm. your way through that. Yeah, it was oh, that's yeah. a great scene for Doug.
0: It's it's so it's so good and and it's very this is like in a weird way I know he's not a final boy but it's it has a lot of final boy qualities to it. I was
1: going to refer to that scene as his final boy rebirth. Mm-hmm. It reminds me a lot of the one of my favorite final girl rebirths in The Hills Run Red, where she's like yes. coming out of a vat of gore, and that's really yes. similar to what Doug's going through right now.
0: Baptized in blood, man. Yeah. You really hit the nail on the head, man. Like that is so fucking good, um, man. It's making me want to watch Hills uh, Run Red again, actually. He feels
1: like a final boy, though. He totally feels like a final boy, even though there are more survivors.
0: There are. Uh, you're you're right. Like the 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 stuff with Ruby um, is so watered down that like it's barely worth mentioning. Like she had she has the baby. That's really all that you need to know. It's another mutant that is not. A physical threat that has the baby—that's really it. Like you have Doug, really. The the fight between him and Pluto is really fucking cool. Um, I I really really loved the the brutality of it. I loved all of that stuff. And uh, you know what? I love the Doug stuff so much. It's a shame because every time they cut back to Bobby and Brenda, I was I was kind of like, oh well, I've seen this part of the movie already with the original. I want to see this stuff that we didn't really see. I want to stick to the Fallout stuff. And you have Beast there. Beast, like, is a is still a super dog. He's still He still kills, what was it, goggles? Like, whatever the fuck that guy was supposed to be. Yeah,
1: right. <laughs> he knocks him down much like in the original film.
0: And instead of bringing the radio, he brings the radio and an arm, which is always nice. Um, you see uh, Beast try to fight um Pluto uh not successfully and I was like oh man do they kill the dog in this one they don't um just for any animal lovers listening to this the dog's okay well one of them one dog's okay Uh,
1: the other dog is not okay
0: you know what was funny is when they do the scene earlier in the film in which Beauty is killed I was like watching it I was like I was like you know what I didn't think I would say this but this scene is a lot less brutal and gory than in the original and then of course. (laughs) <laughs> lifts up the dog and it just like falls to pieces. I was like, Oh, okay, never mind. It's it's actually even more gory.
1: Yeah. At first, at first glance. So maybe that's what's the difference yeah. between the cut and uncut. Perhaps they they kind of dance around that particular scene because that is one yeah. of the more gory animal deaths ever, really.
0: Yeah. When we see Doug fighting for his life, by the time he really kills Pluto and just It's such a good death sequence, and I remembered this so vividly, and he punctuates it by, like, stabbing him in the throat with the American flag. The American flag, by the way, which he took out of the charred corpse of Big Bob, who, for whatever reason, they set him up at the kitchen table, I suppose, just as, like, a cruel mockery. Mm -hmm. Uh, But again, we don't know why they did that. I I know why they killed, cooked Bob, and took his body in the original one. They ate him. Yeah, But... They they didn't um they didn't eat Bob in this one. They just wanted to like leave his body there as a totem, I suppose.
1: Well maybe they were aging the meat, Wes. We don't know how oh, they go about you know what? making jerky.
0: I stand. I'm the jerky, because I didn't even think about that. Um the uh, punctuates with that and then kills this dude who looks like he's in so much physical pain. Like yes. he and he's like and like at this point, Doug is like leveled up. Like he's like flipping the axe around. Like it looks like he's like I murder people every fucking day. I'm no longer the the cell phone selling pacifist I used to be. Flipping the axe around, fucking killing that guy. And then Beast, when Beast kills Pluto in the original film, you're like, man, Beast is such a fucking good dog. Like what a powerful dog. Fucking killed Pluto. And like the, and Pluto and like they had created this whole lore in the original film about the devil dog. And like Pluto was like afraid of the dog Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. None of that is in this. None of that whatsoever is in this, which I
1: also miss. No. And again, I think that they don't mention that this could be a police dog, that these dogs are probably police dogs, where we had sort of figured out in the first one, they must be former retired canine unit dogs because they behave like that. They're retrieving things. They're um, scouting things. They're hunting down people. They're taking people out the way that a police dog does. And in this one, again, they... I don't think they mentioned that these are probably police dogs.
0: Did they mention what Big Bob does in the remake? I don't remember. Do they say he's a cop cuz they He was a detective. Detective. Okay. So maybe through that we're supposed to like imply. But again, a lot of it a lot of the interpretation in this remake and maybe this is just another example is left up to the audience to come you're supposed to combine it with the original film. I'd be really curious to show this movie to someone who has never even heard of the original Hills Have I, I'm not even going to tell them that it's a remake and make them watch it. And then I want them to explain the plot to me only with the context clues of the the remake and to see what they extrapolate. Because while Doug is fucking just going full-on Rambo against these very crippled and sick people and Beast kills a very, like, Doug's like, I'm not going to kill you, brain, even though you like told me your car- your family's backstory, I guess. There's also like two little children that are just sitting there like you want to play with us. I'm like, "What like w- what's going to happen to them?" Anyway, um Beast kills that fucking dude in the wheelchair, and I don't feel good about it. I'm like, yeah, take that. I'm like, uh, he's very sick, guys. Like, I don't think you needed to do that. <laughs> no, like, and there's other people that like...
1: Beast could have taken out for him that would have been helpful to Doug, really. Doug's in a lot of pain, sure. He is in his final form, but he is in a lot of pain. He's being beaten up. He's being... Hurt throughout all of this, so he needs all the help he can get. Taking out the guy in the wheelchair was not helpful, and I would have liked to imagine that this sage guy remains unscathed, and maybe someone from like the CDC comes and helps him eventually. Perhaps that would
0: be great. May something something like that, or perhaps he's like because I was thinking about it. I was like, man, even though they don't kill all of the mutants, this family of scavengers raiders pillagers have taken a severe blow to their strength like they've lost a lot of like strong people in their
1: clan if you want to call it that if we know how many of them there are there are mines that we don't get to see in so who knows there could be a population 400 down there who knows like that that is the only helpful thing but they don't allude to that that's my imagination
0: right there absolutely and honestly uh it doesn't really mattered the craziest thing is all of a sudden just like in the original film the mother gets shot and she dies and it kind of makes more sense that they put blankets on her because they she asked for them but when she dies um the body is not used as a distraction in this the the uh, uh, uh bobby does not use his mother's corpse as a decoy um jupiter who we only know from Jupiter from the credits. Um, takes the body and is eating the heart of their mother raw. Like has ripped out the heart and is eating it through the rib cage. And when he sees Bobby, that's when he chase gives chase and they have this fight. While simultaneously, Doug is having a fight against Lizard, who I suppose is a reinterpretation of the character of Mars and. It falls... The fight between Lizard is cool. I like his... Uh, it looks almost like a bandolier. It. Uh, it's like he uses it to like pop tires and stuff like that. That's very cool. Other than that, like, I find that this is just less satisfying because there's no... You know they're bad dudes. You know that they're dangerous. You know that they're trying to kill the family. But I just... I don't keep meaning to beat the same fucking drum, but I just feel... Like, it's just lesser because I don't have any context for this mutant family whatsoever. So I I, I just kind of like, yeah, and they're just going to kill the mutants. And I don't know who this mutant is. He's wearing a long duster. That's what I know about him. He looks kind of like a metalhead. He looks like uh, that, but that's it.
1: Yeah, he walked out of some sort of future dystopia. I I, I like your (laughs) idea, though, to find somebody who hasn't seen either film and show them just the remake and have them regurgitate their motivations back to you or the storyline because yeah. it would be pretty disjointed. Because yeah, but good luck finding someone who's going to A enjoy the remake as a film to watch and B have never watched or heard of or understood the drive behind the original. I I don't know. That's you're sound, they're looking for a Goldilocks film date there, Wes.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, I, I would um, and then also like let them know that, you know, there's certain sequences in this movie that are not fun to watch if you've had certain life experiences or perhaps if you're just very empathetic. Yeah. But um the uh but all that being said, the ending of this film is very strong. I like the I like the context of you see Doug coming over the horizon, um, Beast is okay, so you don't have to worry about the doggy. And, um, you know, they got the baby back Um, instead of ending on that that sort of like still that goes to red and then it's just credits. This gives you a bit bit more of like, oh, well, everything's going to be okay. And then the, the ending twist is that like you're looking at this scene through binoculars and I'm just like. The hills have eyes, but I'm just like, who cares about that? Like, the, like, I feel like the the hill people are gonna leave them alone because like they just lost a fucking fuck ton of their guys, and again, we don't know how many there are, but they definitely know that it's not worth it to lose to, to potentially lose more manpower to like eat a baby. And that was the other thing. They're just like, is it? Are we to believe that they only eat babies because they don't <laughs> seem to. <laughs> <laughs> are, are are They don't seem to imply that they're going to eat anybody else. It's just like, why did they take my baby? It's breakfast time. <laughs> we don't eat babies.
1: Only eat babies. Well, yeah, they, I guess they eat the pig. That or they don't eat pigs. And that's why they're so pissed that Ruby swapped out the baby for the pig. Because they don't eat pigs, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? But, yeah, it, it does seem that they... Well, they do have a freezer full of body parts. They must eat people. It's not just a convenient corpse storage. After the final scene of looking at the survivors through binoculars, is the moment we're led to believe that they whip out their trusty rocket launcher and just blow the three of them to smithereens. And so they do get their comeuppance. I believe they probably do let them go, though. You're definitely right there as far as our three survivors walking off into the sun
0: Absolutely. And the uh, I, I was just um, thinking about, you know what else they didn't do? They didn't do that thing where, where Pluto was like, what are your defensive capabilities? Like they didn't try to fuck with them with the radio or anything like that. Which
1: was the most hilarious part of the first movie. Yeah, there's no levity here. It is way more grimy <laughs> and it is uh, a way more of a downer, even though the, the survivors seem to have a lot more going for them. And there is a lot more death, though, and there is a higher Mm -hmm. body count just by virtue of having more nameless mutants that die. And it just, like... is It is a better film in that it has a way more punchy ending, far more characterization for the family, has a better arc for Doug, our hero, our final boy, as it were. And it is filmed so well. Like, Big Bob's burning scene in this one is quite electric, where in the other one it's unexpected and it's Mm -hmm. intense and there is a lot of screaming and it's sad and it's crazy. But this one has the um, added benefit of almost like a Sam Raimi kind of shaky zoom in to the burning bob, which the the Mm -hmm. filming techniques here in the scene add to all of that insanity. And it's just a much tighter production, of course. So I really enjoy even the scenes that are shot for shot, are just so much more gratifying as far as a film.
0: Yes, I, I think like what people have learned about filmmaking in the ensuing thirty plus years since this the, the at this point the film was done the or forty years. God, my God, I, I think what people have learned about filmmaking has definitely shone through, and and I think the more dynamic, um, what do they call it, kinetic. Filmmaking styles that have evolved uh, really uh, make things a lot more impactful and a lot more brutal. And I think that when you look at films, the remakes and stuff like that, you could see that it lives up to the brutality that you would expect, perhaps, if someone were. Because when you watch The Hills Have Eyes from the original one and you hear about it's, you know, it's this shocking, brutal movie, and oh my God, like, you won't believe it when you see it. And you end up watching it, it's kind of like, huh, well, you know, it was a different time, and this was probably very shocking for the time. It's like watching Deliverance, like something that was supposedly so shocking, and then you watch it, and you're just like, yeah, no, it's a great movie, but it's not, like, it's not, I was expecting it to be more graphic, I suppose, is what your everyone's comments for the original Texas Chainsaw is a great example. I was expecting yeah. it to be more graphic as opposed to more um implicit. And this film I think lives up to its brutality because when it's brutal, it's very beautiful, uh, uh brutal and it's um and beautiful and it looks like it stinks like that cooler like my god or the the freezer. That's definitely not plugged in. And it really begs to question Why is it in there? I guess just to keep the smell from getting too pungent and to try to keep it as fresh as humanly possible. But then it also implies, like, how many people are going through this territory? How many people are going missing? This looks like hundreds of people that are going missing and no, But, like, I understand, like, in the original film, it kind of seemed like, we eat dog and we eat rattlesnake and we eat spiders and we eat whatever we can scavenge, but oh my God, look, like actual humans with like stuff and this is a time to resupply and get some really good food. We'll eat their groceries, we'll eat them and like happy times. But, like, given how many cars are in the car graveyard, it's a wonder. They're like, oh, yeah, people go missing in the desert all the time. I'm yeah, like, that at- many people? It's like House of a Thousand Corpses, where you're like, this many people are going missing in the area? No that would be an like-
1: FBI investigation Let's check that house. Like, absolutely, immediately. And meat doesn't keep that long. Yeah. So that unplugged freezer full of things, it's really just to keep the flies off, I figure. It's the only reason you would put things in a sealed area that's unplugged and unrefrigerated and not really a good place. Like, you don't store meat mm-hmm. in giant bloody piles with the bone in you just don't
0: yeah (laughs) no one really taught them about um but you're right they could like they could uh um make jerky they could bake it in the sun salt it get some salt and that'd be fine like they would it would do them a lot better than just sitting in a stinky stinky field although they do eat a lot of meat raw it seems like i mean like jupiter was just like "Mm, yummy heart i'm gonna fucking Take, give me a bite of that but yeah I think all in all um, I do really like this film I just having just watched the original the things that I've I miss from the remake I find it's hard to even say one is better than the other like one is if you're a gore hound and you like kinetic shocking filmmaking and stuff like that then I would And and you don't like the slower paces of older films then the remake is clearly for you but if you're more interested in the who's and why's of narrative about if if then the original is for you and i don't know like i i really was shocked when i rewatched the hills have eyes remake because i i definitely did not remember how stripped away the mutant characters were no and
1: we had probably carried so much of that story with us like your experiment will be compelling to me if you ever pull it off because not carrying with you the story you already know to enhance the remake And that's probably subconsciously where we had been when we watched the remake for the first time, being stoked that it was being remade, Mm -hmm. being stoked that it was an Aja film, being excited because it was sort of part of this new extreme and taking someone from the French extreme to do it, like all of those things heighten that excitement so we weren't looking to criticize it in any way shape or form we were looking to enjoy a remake of a great Mm -hmm. old film right so we had carried with us all of our lore so to speak into watching the second one without a critical eye because it was a great movie of Mm -hmm. course even less reason to criticize it having them put back to back in a film study kind of context here, yeah, really highlights the shortcomings of the second film.
0: It really does. I'm very, very interested just to know, like, uh, again, just my idea, like I'm very interested to know what someone would think it'd be fascinating to know. And, and also the intent of filmmakers, were they, they couldn't possibly have been relying on us, the audience, to do any heavy lifting on the account of who the mutants are, uh, the context of it. They couldn't possibly be doing that because that's not why you make remakes. You don't make remakes so people have to watch the original. You make remakes to not forget the original, but to recash in on something that the original, oh, the name value of the, the original. But you had to understand that if you want to make money in Hollywood, if you want to put your fucking movie out in theaters, you cannot be trying to appeal To the fucking 10% of your overall audience that has seen the original Hills Have Eyes. It is not going to work out financially for you. So if that's the case, why not throw in a line or two? Just a line or two. I don't know. It's very, very interesting. But uh, also, speaking of uh, second ones, there is a sequel to this remake, The Hills Have Eyes 2. And it is, in my opinion fucking unwatchable it is
1: <laughs> much like the original beyond... hills have eyes too <laughs>
0: hang on a second i like i like that uh, you're right though the, Not a fan. like when in compared to the completely fair completely fair i'm never gonna be like i can't believe you like that movie or you don't like that movie i'd be like no i believe it i 100 believe it um the, the whole, like, biker gang, like, Ruby's in a gang now, and, like, Jupiter had a brother that no one talked about. I love that shit. And then the beast is back. For, and for, by some weird stretch of the imagination, Ruby has the dog. <laughs> like Anyway, um, but the second uh, remake is... I'm not even, like, a pro-military guy. I'm a pacifist like Doug. I feel like I might be able to kill some mutants if someone was threatening... You know, my dog or something. It is like it takes a, a, a military unit and turns them into the dumbest, bumbling victims in a slasher movie you have ever seen. The like, oh, I'm going to take off all my gear, all my weapons, take away my assault rifle, and crawl into a mineshaft where I know there's killers. Who are killing my brethren? And our superior officer gets killed. So obviously, we don't know how to fucking run ourselves as a unit. We—it's like it makes no fucking sense. It's the decisions made by the 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 human characters in The Hills Have Eyes Two are as dumb and as frustrating as the chick who pulls the phone out of the fucking wall as she's talking to nine one one in the movie Late to Rest. It is that frustratingly stupid. And I remember watching it and I was just like, I'm insulted by how <laughs> stupid this is. Like i I'm like, I was just like, you could have done another mutant family sequel to this, because God knows we don't know how many mutants are in those mineshafts, and you could have done anything, and this is what you do. So anyway, watch at your own risk.
1: Yeah, right. I know I I would probably say I'd rather watch the remake version, second Hills Have Eyes 2. Over the original Hills Have Eyes too. any day. As frustrating and ridiculous <laughs> as it is, yeah, I would I'd much, much rather watch it.
0: Fair. Although I don't agree with you, uh, but I love you, so it's okay. Um, what do we got next for them?
1: Coming up next, I don't remember. We were going to do some Stephen King stuff because it is getting close to Stephen King of Palooza, where it's those... Dog days of summers have passed us by. We were thinking of doing apt pupil to go along with back to school, but we're passed back to school. So I'm not really sure. There was a few Stephen King titles on Netflix that had caught our eyes. In the tall grass is a Stephen King film that is on Netflix and Oddly enough, in that um, Love, Death, and Robots, I believe it's called, there is also a short that is called In the the Tall Grass, or The Tall Grass, that is somewhat similar as Mm -hmm. well, even though it's nothing to do with the Stephen King title. I was pleasantly surprised by In the Tall Grass by Stephen King, because it reminds me so much of old Stephen King, and he still has it. When people talk Mm -hmm. about... Stephen King should get back to horror. He has gotten back to horror in many ways in the past, say, 20 years, even the last five years. But this particular story, even though it has a few things that didn't appeal to me within the, the central storyline, it is creepy. It, it subversive. It is shot so wonderfully. The CG in this, you can't tell where cornfield start and CG begins. I love this so much.
0: I'm very excited. Very, very excited. I, uh, I watched this on your recommendation. I was also pleasantly surprised. I, was, I wasn't I was sure what I was in for. I was like, I'm into another, because like another Netflix Stephen King film that I was pleasantly surprised by, but it was a little sleepy, was uh, 1922. Yeah. Uh, but like this is really great. And I like this movie even more. So yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. And um, you know, the best part is I have an allergy to corn silk. So like this maze would be a fucking death trap for me
1: (laughs) completely completely i just read a book called clown in a cornfield that would have been a fantastic i can't wait for it to be made into a film so that we can talk about on the show whenever that happens because it is a very interesting premise with so much cornfield it's even better than scarecrows as far as the amount of cornfield going on in it but yeah a death trap for west
0: i'm west knight and i'm typical lydia And you've been listening to Dead Air.